We're in 2 Corinthians. We, uh, we did Romans last week, Romans 12. And Romans 12 was really uh, uh, about the the the, the means and, and the purpose and how God has transformed who we are. Because he encourages us in, in Romans to, to don't be conformed to the things of the world and what the world's doing, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we get into 2 Corinthians, which actually this passage fits right up next to last week's Roman 12 passage with regard to sermon outlines or message outlines. And so we're going to continue in that. But we've titled all these messages this year, God said it. God said, God's spoken, y'all. Uh, it, it's really important not to ignore him, right? I mean, I, my daddy would say that about himself to me, right? When my dad would speak, it was really important that I not ignore him, right? So God has spoken. God is the uh, is the originator of all things. God spoke all of creation into existence. He spoke it into being. He said... Let there be light. And guess what? There was light. Uh, And so when we look at creation around us, trees and animals and what have you, what we are seeing is the manifestation of God's spoken word. He he spoke it into existence. Then we have the the written word of God, which is the Bible. I believe it all. I I believe if, if you run into a dilemma within God's word, it's your dilemma, not the word's dilemma. God breathed it out. It is the inspired word of God. Uh, 40 authors, you know, I mean, 40 writers, one author. It's the way I like to word that. All right. God is the author of the whole Bible. And by his spirit, he has preserved it for us all the way down to 2022 and the upcoming 2023. We get to read the Bible and have confidence in what God has said. God didn't call me to edit it. Guess what? He didn't call you to edit it either. He didn't call us to redact the things we don't like, right? We hear that word redaction a lot. And then finally we have Jesus who is the living word of God. When God spoke at creation, what did he speak? He speaks the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we've got God's spoken word, God's written word, God's living word in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is alive today. So now we're in 2 Corinthians. And Corinthians, is these are two interesting books. And we know by reference of Paul that they're more than two letters. Some believe that the, that the multiple letters were combined into two books, and that could be the case. Or, or there might be some letters that didn't rise to the part uh, of being scriptural by God's own inspiration that Paul was communicating back and forth with specific Corinthian believers or the pastor or whatever in the Corinthian community. We don't know specifically why we don't have 1st, 2nd, 3rd, or maybe 4th Corinthians. We've got 1 and 2, alright? And so 1 and 2, God has given to us uh, 2,000 years later for us to have an understanding of the revelation of God himself. God is at work in the life of the Corinthian believers, the body of Christ in Corinth. Call it a church, all right? God is at work in the church at Corinth. And, and, and so Paul becomes aware of some problems, right? I mean, it's, it's probably the only church in history that ever had problems. Not. Right? So, so Paul is writing, in 1 Corinthians particularly, you can see where he de- addresses a problem 
And then he moves on and addresses the next problem. And then he moves on and addresses the next problem. And then he moves on and addresses the next. And, and man, he just, he goes after sexual immorality. He, he goes after divisions. Here's the one I love. He goes after um, just immaturity. And I love calling it childishness. He calls them children. And you can almost hear Paul saying, and I'm going to go ahead and emphasize by inspiration of God, behave. Right? Uh, also, grow up. So then we get to 2 Corinthians, and now the 1 Corinthian letter has accomplished some of its purposes, and, and, and some things have been righted, and, and some things have been corrected in the body of Christ. And, and so Paul is now writing back to the Corinthian uh, body once again, and, and we're going to be in chapter 4, and it's a long passage, so you're going to have to endure with me, but here we go. You ready? Uh, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, all right, what's it there for? So he's already been talking about something. He's already been addressing some things to them and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that what God is our, I mean what Paul and God have addressed in 2 Corinthians 3 it can be simply put in one word glory glory God's glory not Paul's glory because he keeps saying he says look I'm nothing you know I'm only here for God's glory what we're going to find out today is, is that we're only saved for God's glory, right? I mean, the only reason we have this faith, this life, this all of the blessing of God is for God's own glory. Therefore, I thought I got beyond one word, but here. Since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God. There are a lot of folks out there distorting the word of God right now, just warning you. But commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of, tru of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Let me just read the, just that line. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of, God, of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, we know this one. Now we have this treasure in clay jars, or we like that, that, that other translation, earthen vessels. You know what I admit as a child? If I read the words earthen vessels, I wouldn't have a clue what that meant. An earthen, no, but a clay jar? Some band took that up, didn't they? Called themselves jars of clay. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So, so, so this, this transformation, this change, this, this, this shining of God's glory is, is the work of God, not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over 
to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. There it is, glory of God again. Therefore, we do not give up. Now, he said that back there at the beginning of this passage, remember? Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Important sentence, you ready? For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Pray pray with me, all right? Father, we give you thanks for, for just... God, I want to thank you for the complexity of this passage. God, that, that, that you have breathed out these words of something more infinite than we can possibly understand. God, but you've breathed these words out to Paul's pen in such a way, God, that we might just get a glimpse of who you are, of your glory, and that somehow just getting a glimpse of who you are will change who we are. So God, let us live transformed. Let us be transformed. Let us shine so that others might see your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's some things here that, that this is a big passage, and you know if I pick it apart, I've spent, what, five minutes on therefore, okay? So we're going to kind of take it apart piece by piece. This ministry that Paul is referring to here, we have this ministry. What ministry? It is the proclamation of God's glory. It, it is the pronouncement, the declaration, but not just by word. It is, the, it is the showing forth of God's glory in ourselves and who we are. It is to be able to live the glory of God so that a lost and dying world gets a, gets a glimpse of what God can do. I promise you, and I didn't notice that my sister was watching this morning. She may or may not be. But uh, because she didn't show up on Facebook, so I don't know. She'll probably text me right now and say, yes, I'm here anyway. But I promise you, you wouldn't want her to have known me as a child. I I jokingly say, man, I was a stinker. Don't listen to me, Trace. (laughs) Now, see, I was that kid that was always looking for an angle. Man, I was going to climb to the top of the heap even though I was the shortest one in the heap, okay? I, man, I, I, and I figured things out, right? Vicky wants me to tell you my airplane story, all right? I walked over there, and he'd, he'd made a paper airplane. Y'all remember my paper airplane story from a few weeks ago? Some of you do. He'd made a paper airplane. He'd attached a rubber band to it to give it more propulsion so that you put it on your finger and pull it back, and then it goes farther faster right at least by design 
right? Trace and I probably grew up saying the same lives, just different decades. See, I was figuring things out. But God changed who I am. God, God, God transformed me. I, I got saved at eight years old, and as much as an eight-year-old could understand it, God began to work in me his glory. He changed who I was. At 19, God called me to ministry. Guess what? Still not perfect. That's 40 years ago this year. Guess what? Still not perfect. You know, y'all remember that Gaither song, He's Still Working on Me to Make Me What I Ought to Be. Right? That's what, I, I think I'm more difficult than the cosmos. Because it only took him six days to make everything in the world, but he's been working on me for 40-something years. 52 years, I guess. You see? I'm not math. We have this ministry because we were shown mercy. We don't give up. We don't walk away. We don't throw up our hands. Instead, we've renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the Word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. We live out our faith. You can't hide. Right? We live out our faith, not simply before God, but before the world, before the rest of the body. But if our gospel is veiled, if the good news in our lives is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Now, in their case, though, the God of this age has blinded their minds, blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the Lord. You know, <clears throat> there are some people that you're going to talk to about Jesus that don't even want to hear it. They want everything that the world is offering. They, they want the secret things. They want the shameful things. They want deceit. They want the distortion of God's Word. They want to be able to point to God's Word and say, oh, that's the way God made me. It's not what the Bible says. Okay? Sorry, that was probably not good. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for we are not proclaiming ourselves. I don't go out and live, live Bobby's glory. You don't go live your glory. You see? We go out and live the glory of God, the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Not proclaiming ourselves but proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants of Christ. This says as your servants talking to the Corinthian church for Jesus is on sake for God who said. Let light shine out of darkness. See this first whole, the, the, this whole thing is, is that we are ministers. Not just me because I get to be pastor. We are all ministers of God's glory. See? That's, that's, we are, all right, ready? Everybody together. One, two, three. We are ministers. Good job, y'all. Very good. All right, see, that's what God's called us to. Ministers of his glory. Right? Not ministers of the gathering. Not, not, not ministers of some denominational structure. I'll even go so far as to say not ministers of some doctrinal position 
or systematic theology. We are ministers of the glory of God to a dark, dying, and lost world. And if we're not proclaiming it with our lives and with our, with our bodies, with our words, and with truth, listen to this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. This God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow, are you shining? You see, we are ministers transformed. Now, just prior to this, y'all have heard me quote this many times, we are being transformed into the image of, of God's Son from one degree of glory to the next. That's what's at the very end of chapter 3. Remember I told you, that's what, simply put, it's God's glory. The end of chapter 3 says we are being transformed into the image of His Son from one degree of glory to the next. So, so the light is supposed to shine out of us. Guess what? There was darkness before, right? And if you don't know Jesus, there's still darkness, right? If you haven't received that incredible redemption and salvation that God has offered in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which is the only way, to be saved. I'm not going to stand here and say all roads lead to God because they don't. Okay? If you haven't received it, you're still in the dark. Come on over to the light. It's Jesus. Okay? And then the second part, verse 7 says, now we have this treasure in clay jars. We have a treasure in us. What is the treasure? This light <coughs> of the knowledge of God's glory. Jesus. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Then he goes into, into what we encounter in a dark world. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. So that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. It's in 2 Corinthians that we see this listing of everything Paul went through. He got beaten with 39 lashes, what, 40 minus 1 lashes by the Jews, I think five times. Got beat with rods, shipwrecked, in the ocean for a day and a night. Paul was in every way afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. But in nothing was he defeated. See? The light of the knowledge of God's glory. Jesus himself lives in us against all opposition, against all persecution, against any death, physical death. We have life. He goes on to say, uh, so then death is at work in us, but life in you. Because what, what Paul is, is, is saying, and we'll see it in Galatians, is that, is that he already died to self. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians, he says, not I live, but Christ lives in me. Right? So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Verse 14, for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus 
and present us with you. There's the hope of glory right there. The hope of glory, that which we can't see, that we have not yet experienced, but we will experience. We will know the resurrection. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. I love Christmas. Love Christmas and Easter. Man, over the next few weeks, this place is going to fill up. Right? Y'all think I'm being sarcastic, don't you? Uh, maybe. You know, I, I, I jokingly in the past referred to the CEOs of the gathering. That stands for Christmas and Easter only. Right? But guess what? Not in a negative way. Think about this. We get to celebrate the fact that people come to hear about the glory of God in Jesus. I love it that the choir was up here this morning. Man, they're going to do a fantastic job next week. We're going to come together and celebrate Christmas music all the way to January 15th. Right? See, we're doing again this year. It's kind of taking a, a, a sort of a, a, a hiatus for, the, for all the fun we've enjoyed the last couple of years. But the echoes of Easter, I mean echoes of Christmas, will be January 15th. What time, Michael? Six o'clock that night. Here, we're hosting it. So choirs from the other congregations in the community are going to come here and do some Christmas music with us. How about that? See, we're going to sing Christmas music from today through the 15th of January, to which my mom would say, not after January 1st. See, we continue to proclaim over and over what God is doing so that as grace extends through more and more people, folks, the opportunity to live and proclaim God's glory, don't ever take that for granted. I'll tell you a story. I, years ago, I, 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 I was pastoring up in the mountains at Pisgah Forest Baptist Church and Love, loved the folks there and, and, and became aware of a mission opportunity to Mexico. Uh, they were part of an organization called SARE, which stands for Salvation, Education, Responsibility. And what they would do is go into the poor communities around the cities in Mexico and they would, they would just do children's programs and tell children about Jesus and let them color little coloring sheets and they'd feed them a meal. If the children wanted to go to school and, and in Mexico you had to have a uniform, a birth certificate, and supplies to go to school, right? So Sayer had a, an attorney on, on staff organization, and, and they, would, they would make sure they had the birth certificate, made sure that we got them uniform, made sure that they... And that's what Sayer would do. They'd make sure kids could go to school, and then half the day they would be at, at Sayer, at Sayer, uh Children's times, at, at what, what is they call it? Anyway, it was a thing, they, half the day, they'd be at Bible study and, and activity time. And, and I remember Johnny Scott, who was a great friend of mine, he and his wife Sheila, they were part of the board, and, and I wasn't at the time. I've been on the board now for quite a few years, but, um, <clears throat> and we as a gathering support Sarah very well as one of our missions uh, sort of extensions. And, and Jordan went with me back in May to the board meeting because uh, he's our missions pastor and he's 
speak Spanish. I don't. I'd go to the pastor's meeting. I'd sit in the dark for about two days because I don't understand anything goes on. But man, Jordan's over there just having a blast with the Mexican pastors. It was really cool to watch. But Johnny said to me, he said, Bobby, he said, we go back and forth to Mexico as often as we can because the window's open and we don't know when it might close. And then there was an election. This was in about 2008. There was an election right about the time that the drug cartels started taking over. And suddenly the window closed. And to go to Mexico during that time, actually November 2008, we had a trip planned. We were going down to build a church in a place called El Verhel. I don't know what that means. But we were going. And they said, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Y'all can't come down here. So we didn't. And some people got killed because the people in the area thought that they were us. The window closed. Don't take for granted your opportunity to share Jesus. It's not an opportunity to talk about football. It's not an opportunity to talk about the weather. It's an opportunity to talk about the glory of Christ in you. Don't miss it, okay? Don't give up. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Now listen to this. Paul, who got beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, in the ocean said, for our momentary light affliction. You know what? I hear people complain about stuff all the time. And I go, well, one of my favorite lines is when people start, I'm going to go ahead and say it. When people start whining to me, I go, well, they hadn't crucified you yet. That's not very compassionate, is it? They hadn't beaten you. They hadn't stoned you. Didn't throw you in the ocean. Our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep living the glory of Christ in your life. And Christmas season is one of the greatest opportunities to go out and shine Jesus everywhere. Okay? Don't miss it. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. We're going to sing one more song. Give you the opportunity to praise God, certainly. But if you've got a response you need to make to God, if you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you. Maybe as a Christian, you know you're caught up in the world. Well, Bible just calls that sin. Well, not me. Don't argue with me. Okay? The Bible says so. It requires confession, repentance. Okay? Maybe you want to be a part of the gathering. Come be a part of the gathering. Some do, some don't. It's okay. You know? But be a part of the body of Christ and what God's doing. All right? Pray with me. God, thank you for this day, a day that you've made that we might rejoice and be glad in it. And so, God, as we come together, I I just want us to rejoice. I want us to be glad, not because uh, not not because there's pretty colors and lights and and not because we get to sing cool songs and stuff and not because we get to read your word. But, God, we want to rejoice and be glad because you have made us. 
You've made us yours. You're transforming us to shine your glory. So God, help us to help us to be mindful of that. As Paul said, help us to set aside the things of darkness and shame and deceit. God, that we might be just ambassadors of light to a dark world. As we sing, God, hear our hearts. And God, let those who need to make some decision for you, God, speak to them. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.